Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. This week, we have one of my good friends, Scotty Johnson from Cancer Sucks Chicago. Scotty is one of the legends of barbecue. He has a fantastic story to tell. He's a world champion, and he is just an overall great guy with a fantastic story. So I think that you'll enjoy this interview from one of the true legends of barbecue. So please join me in welcoming Scotty Johnson. So we're here with uh, Scotty Johnson from Cancer Sucks Chicago. And Scotty, what do you got in your glass this evening? We're having a little lemonade that's brown from Kentucky. Uh, I got a little old granddad 114. So in the interest of, normally I tell a story about my podcast guests as a good intro, but in the interest of having you starting, you're going to tell a story because I decided to pour me some old Bardstown from the Willet Distillery. Oh, that's a great distillery. Yes, it is. So for those of you that aren't familiar, when we went and cooked the barbecue fight club, Scotty brought, uh, can you refresh me on the bottle, what it was? It was a uh, Willet family or whatever the good one's called, just single batcher. Yeah. It was very, quite tasty. It was very expensive, and I decided to dump my glass on the ground <laughs> in some clumsiness and also <laughs> drop the bottle, but I saved the bottle. I did that. Yeah, you had you had about five guys looking over at you, ready to jump on you if that thing broke. Oh, and Emily Detweiler was there. She was. Then it's she did, like, she did enjoy it. Well, yeah, you looked like a lost puppy with the eyes when you knocked that over. Well, because I heard twenty people just suck all the oxygen out of the of the world. They're like, "Oh my God, what did you do?" <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> It was a good one. Yeah, it was good effort. So, man, I'm trying to think of when we actually met, and I think it might have been the first time that I came out to uh, to Westmont, Illinois. Westmont, yeah. Yeah, for sure, is when you came out to Westmont and cooked the double. Yeah, that... Uh, and they that, had a great weekend, too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. We had a GC and an RGC, and, uh, you know, that was a contest that I think Darren had won, like, five times in a row. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> it was really... my hometown contest and beat my ass every single year. It was really good to come out there and. Not... Yeah, it was. It was awesome, and you guys are right across from us. And like I said, it's, it's been a good friendship since then. So. Absolutely, but you've been in the barbecue world for quite some time. You've accomplished a lot, and I know that you've done a lot of good through barbecue as well. We'll get into that, but some of the things that I wanted, I got a. God, I got a ton of questions to ask you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Who do you think has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? I guess the easy answer for me to would be to say one of the barbecuers. You know, because like I said, I, I listened to your podcast, so I, I knew that this question was going to come up. <laughs> but honestly, I would probably have to say it would be my deceased wife, Corliss. You know, she really enjoyed our cooking, we had, you know, big things that we were going to be able or going to go and do and try in the, you know, barbecue world from either opening a food truck to restaurant to competition world. And, you know, and she, I only got to cook one contest before she passed away. So, you know, and that drove my team. So, you know, I, I when I decided to compete as Cancer Suck Chicago, or I, originally I was cooking it as, as uh, our foundation, our 501c3's name. It was just I was going to turn around and, you know, donate all the money back to the uh, 
to the foundation. So, you know, it, it was definitely everything's driven by her. I mean, her, uh, I can't keep her memory alive enough for my girls and, uh, you know, for those that didn't know her and what she stood for and that. So, um, you know, non-barbecue would definitely be Corliss. So, you know, I, I still, to this day, it's been what, 19, oh, 18 years now, you know, God, a day hasn't gone by where I haven't thought about her or what I could do or do something different for cancer. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. It'd be Corliss would be, uh, my most influential and, in, uh, for driving me in barbecue. So, yeah, it's, you know, my mom was one of the reasons I started cooking, you know, when we lost her last year, uh, she fought cancer for 17 years and yeah. I can't light my pit or put sauce on something without thinking about her. It's yeah, but that, the- that's good though. You know, those, those are good memories and that, you know, it, it, ta- it takes you a while, you know, especially when it's someone that close like that as well to lose them but you know what those are good memories and so that's what when you turn them around and look at it as a positive that you're thinking about them then it just makes me stronger so that's the way i always look at it at least absolutely and i it used to it used to make me cry immediately now it makes me smile and you know what tears aren't bad though tears can be of happiness too so you know trust me i i've cried i'm like a crying little girl when, when it comes to you know, shit, I can be watching Animal Planet right now and I'll start crying just because I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> or watching me spill bourbon, either one. Yeah, well, that, those were those were definitely sad tears. So <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you got into the barbecue and you started the foundation, but you've been extremely successful. You know, we've been we've been pretty lucky over the years that while we were competing, that's for sure. It's you know, you'd never think that you were gonna, you know, because basically the way I we start I started, I found the barbecue forum. I think that was back in like nineteen ninety-nine. I thought I was a big hot shot. I had this new offset smoker I got from Home Depot and I wanted to find out how to cook a turkey and <laughs> from there found out there was comp the world of competition barbecue and took off from there and got a fe fe 100 in i think 2000 or 2001 and cooked one contest in 2002 and took a few years off after Corliss passed and cooked a couple more in 2005 realized that this is something that we could do as a family with the girls and because they were still so young at that stage they didn't like me like to go anywhere and they weren't with me kind of thing they didn't like sleepovers at people's places you know i mean Mm-hmm. They were only five and two when when Corliss passed, so they were still little bitty bitty things. So in 2006, that's when we decided to I decided to get a little RV and go out and had a place for the girls to sleep. And as I thought at the time, cooking full time, and I was going to do like you know ten contests, and that was huge, at <laughs> least in my eyes back then. So you know, and got lucky. So yeah, well, you've also cooked in a lot of states, haven't you? Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've cooked, well, I guess officially 42 states plus District of Columbia, so 43 total. You know, I had some nice cherry-picking ones like Virginia and <laughs> Colorado and Nebraska that were easy, and I just ran out of steam, ran out of gas. <laughs> Funny, one of the teams I hang with, the barbecue bus boys that I mentor, uh, we went out and cooked Virginia last year in the fall at around... Uh, halloween out there so oh, the zombie queue yeah the zombie queue so we cooked that one as a double header and I, I never cooked it myself but i was out there with them cooking it so that's all right you know what 43 states is pretty impressive 
no it's uh you know i remember when you told me that and i think you told me and kim at the same time and, and now that's one of kim's things is that every year we have to add at least one new state see that's that's totally how i started doing it because at the beginning i was like wow i just cooked four new states the next thing you know you know and you know how it is i mean look, look you're you're in virginia i'm in chicagoland and it's like I got, you got friends, I got friends all over the country. So it's like awesome to travel in the states that aren't in your neighborhood and see guys that you see once a year, every other year kind of thing. So, oh yeah, it's, and we've made so many friends when we've got to go to other places, you know, yeah, especially like Westmont, you know, got there, go there and meet all those people and from the Midwest who we had not met before, got chased out of the amusement park by security. <laughs> I asked Kim, I was like, why are you running? She's like, I just got to run faster than Mark Rasmussen, then it'll be fine. <laughs> I just trip him. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that we like to talk about on here, uh, we always, uh, barbecue is surrounded by people that want to talk about, you know, their successes. One of the things I like to focus on is failures, because I think when we have big failures at a contest, those are the things that really teach us. Do you have a favorite failure of yours probably like the the one that really sticks in my head was i was out in or i flew out to arizona my friends lived in tucson at the time and i uh, flew in there and was driving over to stagecoach or indigo or indio mm -hmm. um that one that tom uh, used to put on i had met my friend she came over to new mexico in the springtime and I gave her a whole bunch of sauces and rubs and whatever other things that I was going to be needing because I was borrowing, a, I, I think I cooked on a FE100 or FEC100 that year at the contest. But so I gave her all my supplies. Turned out I, I was a big blues hog guy and sponsored by Bill and all that back in the day. Well, instead of my normal blues hog sauce, I gave them all Tennessee red. So I basically didn't have any of my sauces for the contest. <laughs> and I realized that at like five o'clock in the morning on that Friday morning when I was packing up the car, the van, rental van I had and was heading over to Indio or in yeah, Indio, mm -hmm. California for this contest and realized then that I had the wrong sauces. So <laughs> as quick as possible, ran to the store, got as much shit as I could to try and make up a blues hog sauce. Uh, because the contest that we were cooking was a double KCBS and then a uh, also an IBCA contest. So it was three oh, wow. contests. I was cooking it solo. Uh, unbelievable contest, though, with the, I mean, just the sights and everything at the thing. But that's a whole nother story. And uh, yeah, and surprisingly walked away. I know for sure I got a first place uh, brisket out of the deal from the weekend. And I got a few other calls that just absolutely amazed me because you sort of feel like you don't have clothes on when you don't have your sauces or rubs or injections or stuff like that. So, but yeah, that, that'd probably be the worst. I mean, there there's, I never had the, we never in all the years got DQ'd. So I don't know how I ever managed to do that. You know, I pushed it a lot of times with getting that, uh, turn in box. It was always, if I was at a contest with Tuffy boy, it was either me or him that was going to be the last one turning in. That's for sure. And, you knew one if he went running past you, you were in trouble. So, <laughs> and he did that to me once at that first year at the Lexington, North Carolina contest. 
and he had just been DQ'd at that contest down in Florida, and there was a big old stink mm-hmm. about it, and came back and DQ'd him. Well, he went sprinting past me the next weekend at Lexington, and I knew we had a few minutes, but when you see that skinny little guy who used to run cross-country going past you at 90 miles an hour, and big old fat <laughs> me walking up to try and turn my thing, and you panic a little bit, so... Right. He, he was running the whole way going, you got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. And I, you're an ass. <laughs> I, I almost pulled a hamstring on that one. <laughs> that's a total toughy thing to do, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and you know, he would he'd beat me in a race. I can put that out there for sure. So, <laughs> so when you're at a contest, you uh Got to cook with you a few times, and you kind of, to me, I think you epitomize the spirit of barbecue and that you love to have a good time, but you love to cook well. You love seeing everybody. How do you maintain your focus yet doing all of that stuff? Um, it, yeah, it's funny because, you know, like all the guys that I always hung with, I mean, like Darren's in bed at, you know, 8 30, 9 o'clock at night, and, you know, you don't see him drinking on a Friday night. And, boy, I was like the complete opposite of that. You know, we were, we're out there to have fun. And, um, but when it comes to game time though, you know, I'm the biggest competitor out there and, you know, I want to win. So, I mean, I might not, I mean, I take it, don't get me wrong. I would always take it serious on a Friday night in a, you know, Friday afternoon, hell you go to a cook's meeting and you can scare the shit out of half the, the teams at the cook's meeting you've already won as a, you know, as a competitor. So, but yeah, I mean, I was big time competitor. So when it came time to Saturday for turning time, you just got to know how to turn it off and on back on again. You know, concentration is, is a key thing, repetition. And you get in that little zone of, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're pulling out of your Cambro or whatever. It, it's just magically good. I don't know how that happens, but um, so, yeah. So, I mean, it, I definitely didn't back away from, uh, having a good time at the contest and seeing people and, you know, having special events or my ties or whatever we were having fun for the weekend. So let's go back and unpack something you just said about going to cook's meeting and scaring the shit out of everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you know, you just, like, like I said, if when we used to go when we used to hang around and we'd joke around as the eighteen. You know, and we would all, all five or six of us, depending on where we were at cooking in the country. And if we would all go there, well, we weren't quiet to begin with. So we were talking smack the whole way. And you could just see it. And, you know, guys that like knew who we were or whatever their reasonings were, were just ready to politely say crap themselves because, you know, here are these guys that go around the the country and actually have a pretty good record and we probably were served about 20 too many cocktails at happy hour heading to the cooks meeting they you know teams would they start clamming up a little bit and tightening up and getting a little scared so <laughs> all in good natured fun though yeah so but gamesmanship is definitely part of part of it oh yeah absolutely and I think that you really enjoy that psychological warfare part of it. <laughs> you know what? Why not? If it helps you, if it, if it gives you, an, you know, I'd never do anything to hurt anyone either. So, I mean, I want folks right. to know that. I mean, I go out there and I mean, nowadays it's like, I, I give away my information if anyone wants it and I become friends with you, I'll give you whatever techniques or, you know, seasonings or whatever. It's not about that, but it's about winning though. I mean, it, 
I want to beat my kids if I'm playing them in, you know, pretty, pretty princess. I always wanted to beat them, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, it's also a hobby. It's a game. I, I realized early on that if I was able to get out of barbecue to be able to do something, you know, for cancer research and to do something in my wife's memory, that was bad. I never had the aspirations of being, you know, a restaurateur or catering or a food truck after my wife passed away. You know, I, I had to worry about making sure I had, you know, insurance for my kids and their dad had a steady job and, you know, all that good stuff. So yeah. I, I gave up those dreams, you know, really early. And so I, I, I wasn't cooking. I mean, I took it seriously, but I wasn't that serious about it. <laughs> I've always, you know, Darren always says, you know, I'll stop doing this when it stops being fun. And I think he's hundred percent correct about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that I, I, like I said, I go out the guys from the barbecue bus and I still have a good time with it. And physically right now, my body just couldn't handle it mentally either. It just, it got to the stage where I just didn't want it. you know, it became a job. And when I, when I said it wasn't, when it became a job, I didn't want to do it anymore. Like how Darren says, but I still yeah. enjoy going out and seeing the guys, you know? So you know, I'll still go there and add my tidbits of information with the, <laughs> the bus guys. But, you know, it's me going there, having fun, seeing people and still having your your finger on the pulse of barbecuing and seeing what's going on and getting the adrenaline rush. And I don't walk up the stage because I'm not cooking with those guys. I'm sure they wouldn't care if I did. But, you know, they're doing it all. But it, it, it gives me a rush seeing those guys or seeing my friends getting a call and all that. You know, it, it still excites me. So, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy if it wasn't me winning it, I was the happiest guy. If it was a friend winning a contest or winning categories. Yeah. So. I I get really tickled when a student gets their first call or gets a high call and. Oh, or when they beat you. I mean, it, 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 yeah. it's like, holy shit, another contest where 20 guys beat me that would have been at my class. And it's just like, <laughs> you know what? That's what it's all about though. So, I mean, I was the happy, I mean, I, I'd be all pissed off and mumbling underneath my breath, but I mean, in, in the, big picture things i absolutely love that you know you talked to me at, you talked to me at awards and i was ready to bite your head off you know like i said that <laughs> competitor in me but you know afterwards or you know i was happy for them when they were getting calls so i mean i can't tell you how many 180s my my a chicken recipe made out on the circuit with mine i could never hit with the damn thing and i knew you know, like 10 guys that were nailing with it and i i could never hit it so go figure that's one of my bigger joys now at a contest is just seeing those people do well. And, but one of the things that I think that the barbecue has run into is the cost of things. And what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? I guess like the, the easiest one is always saying something like the thermopen, you know, just because we use them so much. I mean, but I, I like literally learned how to cook, I had a thermopen in my RV that literally was out of batteries, but I used it just to poke yeah. and get the texture of it. So I would never even, you know, it would never light up for me. So, <laughs> you know, I don't, I, it's hard to not say it's the thermopen kind of thing. Um, so you're answering the purchase of a hundred dollars or less thing. Yeah. Well, you know what? Geez, I don't even, it, it might be overall kind of thing, you know, that's true. It Money wise, it the thermo the I shouldn't just say thermopen. That's what I use, but I mean, think about it. It it controls all your meat. It gives you your finished product for your meat, uh, you know, and that's what you're turning in. So, 
It's you know, I, 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 I often think about this when I listen to your, your podcast and I'm always like, Oh, well, I would say this, or <laughs> I, it, I don't know if it really would, you know, a spray bottle. And I, you can, I've gone through about 20 different spray bottles over the year. I still have my original orange thermopen that I got like 21 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how it's still around the spray bottles I've used you know, 20 different varieties of, of spray bottles and, you know, cutting boards and, you know, that stuff. It's so, yeah, I'd probably have to stick with Thermopen. I wanted to come up with something really good and creative and I just can't do it because honestly, I, it might be the best investment I ever made overall for, for everything kind of thing. It's funny that you mentioned how you just, it doesn't even work and you still just use it for tenderness. Yeah. Because I find myself a lot more not caring what the, not even looking at the number. It no, I know. It's funny because people would always say to me, well, what are you cooking it to? And I'm like, butter. I mean, you just, <laughs> I don't know how to describe, I mean, how do you describe the feel of a, of a perfectly cooked Wagyu brisket? I mean, you just, it's really, it's, it's, and it's hard to do in a class setting as well. Oh yeah. Well that, that was, you know, honestly, I, I hated cooking classes just because of that, because I would, you know, and like I would always cook it with a whole bunch of chicken so everyone could have a, a, a piece of it. But yeah, I, I, I quit taking temps of stuff. You know, I, I knew I was dialed in so much that I knew within five minutes of when stuff was going to be done. I mean, the, the yeah. pork and the brisket would be a little bit, you know, but it would all be within like 15 minutes. But like ribs and chicken were were spot on you know always done within um you know i turn in chicken i'd go out to the, <clears throat> the jambo and take the ribs off and give them a poke and they'd be done and bring them in and sauce yeah. them, throw them in and move on to pork kind of thing you know so <laughs> that's funny so are you you're i know the answer to this but i'm going to ask it anyway so are you a technology guy or or are you more of a feel guy? I think we just answered that. I like to think of myself as real technologically savvy because, you know, I, I used to cook on an FTC and all that. But, uh, yeah, no, you know, I mean, I can get by. I can thumb through stuff like my like my computer here. If my daughter hadn't put the block on my camera, I probably would have known that. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm more of the – I like the feel, you know, obviously with the uh, – without even seeing the, the – gauges and stuff of what the temperature is i tried doing shigging off of darren and i got those uh the probes that you can stick in and have you know three or four different colors and boy look at how impressive i am and honestly all it did was confuse the hell out of myself so i got some really i got some really nice thermopens though you know so i feel like you're making fun of me too <laughs> oh, did, you, did you learn that from you no i learned it from him but and, yeah. oh well i'm telling you all the colors it's just like i was impressed i mean and it's like what's the purple one for you know what's the pink one yellow what's that green well greens for chicken the... yeah yeah well he also has about five thousand uh, butts that he cooks so yeah i don't even think he runs those preps anymore but i still do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't really i i like i said i used to do them and not I'd bring them and never plug them in kind of thing. So I only plugged them in because I felt like I spent all that money on them. I should probably use them every once in a while. <laughs> so you strike me as someone that might be a touch superstitious. 
I, I did have definitely some, and most of them were the day on Saturdays, like at awards or during uh, leading up to uh, turn-ins. But yeah, oh yeah, I started, you know, during the week time, uh, weekday when trimming the like chicken, I would have to freeze. It didn't matter if I trimmed it on a Thursday night or not and, you know, was leaving. I would have to throw it in the freezer and get it a little bit frozen. Hell, I'd throw it in the RV freezer when I'd leave on a Thursday night and pull in the contest and pull it out so it started frosting uh, just because I did it once and I hit it first place. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. So then I, I did that every single time then. See, there's a giant debate out there right now because people say that they trim a bunch of chicken and they freeze it and then they just thaw it and use it. And I would zip, I would, or zip, I would vacuum seal it, uh, put them in a, a, a Ziploc bag and then vacuum seal them and take them out and, and let them defrost, usually sitting on the counter, you know, at a contest to start warming up a bit. Huh. Um, you know, but we're, everyone's, you know, think about it. Everyone's adding either a brine or an injection or a, a soak or, you know, whatever you're doing to it, you're adding back to it. So I know people say all the, the cells explode and all that, but. I don't know. I never had a problem with not having juicy chicken. So, right. Any other rituals, routines? Oh yeah. Well, and then I mean, I would I would have to have the uh, Nalgene containers. I had to have certain colors for. Uh, it's you funny do. because my my last year competing, all my containers that I started with back in the day and started all breaking on me. So I'm like, this is the sign. This is it right here. <laughs> and so, yeah, so now I've got, like, as a non-competitor, I've got to have 20 Nalgene containers, of, you know, that I will no longer probably use again. You know, I have, like, I got big, huge ones that are, like, 48-ounce ones that are good for a double contest. You know, you can have double injection in the thing, and I'd only have to make it once kind of thing. So, yeah, so I'd always have to use that. I always had to have... But this was sort of one on on life, though. I had a uh, a Lucky Jack Daniels uh, keychain that also had my that has my wedding band on it. That at awards I would always have to touch my ring and touch the Jack Daniels uh, keychain. I got that from um, Jimmy Bedford, who was the master distiller number oh, six wow. when I won the Jack. So Jimmy gave me that one. So I had that. I had my wedding band on that. And then I had my beads and geez, we started that probably the 18 boys all started that in like 2006. And uh, I just always, those guys came and went with beads and I always went with them and God forbid if I broke them and shit like that, they'd be flying all over the place and I'd be <laughs> on my hands and knees picking them all up because those were all the lucky uh, beads that I had for uh, rewards. For so I'd have to get them all in recreate it and make my new necklace again and get all the pieces so oh, uh and then what else and then we would uh if we wanted gc we would always go to the thai place and have thai food nice i'm sure i've got more of them today <laughs> but otherwise no i didn't i didn't believe in any of those superstitions why would you believe in that crap <laughs> uh yeah you know i think more of it was just routine you know i'd always wear the same aprons you know, I, the the Crocs wore out, so you just moved on. You know, everyone thinks I wore those red Crocs all the time. I was just like when I first started out, and I don't think anyone else had those things on anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I had baseball caps and stuff like that. I, it's funny because I just sold the RV and uh, emptied it out, and I probably got, I don't know, like 12 containers of crap out of the thing. It's just 
amazing how much stuff you have. But I literally like found all my old competition baseball hats and stuff like that that I wore, you know, that became buried in the RV somewhere. So, yeah, I know. And it's just like, oh, these things are beautiful, how worn out they are and just how competing every single weekend for all year long. And they just amazing how worn out they get. So that's wow. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I bet that was like a big trip down memory road. You know, it, you know what? And it was pretty cool because I will say that I was in the garage and I would literally grab a tub and start going through it and seeing what I got, you know, and it's just like, it's amazing how much barbecue stuff I have. So I'm trying to get organized enough, um, you know, to put it all together and do something probably for something here locally and uh you know whatever i can i was thinking doing like raffle tickets and yeah making a whole thing and like with the cambro and cooking supplies and all that stuff you know that i'll no longer use but for some up-and-coming team or any kind of team could use this stuff you know spray bottle or you know fancy i'm the only idiot that would go out and spend 50 dollars for a spray bottle you know kind of i shouldn't say that every barbecue out there probably spends that for spray bottles but yeah it's like and think of all the money that we've you know, I, I actually, over the last two years, got rid of all my, my trophies, which was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. But <laughs> actually, it becomes pretty cleansing when you did do it because it was the complete cycle or circle, you know, yeah. where you fought so much to get those ribbons and trophies. And then it became, you know, they're, they're dust collectors. And, like, you know, like I said, if you're really not going to be opening a restaurant or a where you can display them kind of thing yeah they're useless i mean (laughs) i i've saved about you know 10 of them maybe 20 of them total um and most of them are just because they're you know i got six uh grand championship or five grand no six grand championships from one contest in in michigan so i've got like all those trophies in there you know just bowling trophies but you win four you win yeah you win the contest four years in a row you like keep something as a memento from it but uh wow that's that's awesome that's uh you know because we have a whole stairwell in the basement that's full of you know things that i'm never going to look at again you know no well and that and then i started packing them all up and i packed them all up in the big rubbermaid containers and i just had you know like 20 gigantic i mean and when you tear them apart and break them down they literally can put a ton of them in those containers but i'm like what am i gonna do with the you know because i'm like i'm wanting to move over to get over to scotland here and right it's like i'm not going over there with 100 trophies i mean you know (laughs) our cottage is small enough over there and i've got a couple big trophies that are going to take up a lot of room so it's like you know i can't be going over there with a whole bunch of them so (laughs) it was time to get rid of them Go from smoking pork butts to smoking haggis. Exactly. <laughs> were you a big music guy when you were cooking? Did you listen to a lot of music? I, I did. You know, I always liked something, especially right before uh, chicken turn-ins, uh, something a little heavier to really get you going, to get my blood going, pumped up uh, kind of thing. You know, I'd always have a beer around 11 30 just to calm my nerves and then i would turn around and you know like 10 to 12 kind of thing put on something that would just get me going so you go from like a total lull 
until all of a sudden you're so amped up that, um, <laughs> you know, you're ready to run through a wall kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I always enjoyed music. It, it relaxed you. It was, you know, definitely a way to keep you staying focused, especially when, uh, you know, during turn-ins and stuff like that. Let's not gloss over the fact of that 10 to 11 o'clock beer. <laughs> it, it's become a huge part of my program. It calmed me. So, I mean, man, back in the day, yeah. we used to do, gee, I think we might have even started doing three shots in the morning time. Well, shit, you're almost half drunk by the time you're turning stuff in. Right. Um, so then we, you know, went to the 922. And, uh, yeah, and the, the beer is definitely one. that I mean, I, I always did one of those where, right before turn-ins because you just feel like you're ready to jump out of your skin and just have a beer to sort of pull you down a bit. And, you know, I might even have one at one o'clock as well, just to try and so you don't get too amped up. Yeah. You you don't want to be nervous doing turn-ins. So I always enjoy my 10 o'clock beer. I I prefer to be spotted cow, but I live in Virginia. So I I just had one of those yesterday. So (laughs) good stuff. It's one of the best beers in the world. Yes, sir. Probably the only good thing to come out of Wisconsin, though. <laughs> That's about it. That's for sure. I, I agree with you there. <laughs> no offense, Wisconsin people. That was a joke. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Go Bears! Go Bears! <laughs> so if you had to give advice to a smart you know, young cook who's about to get into competition barbecue, what would you tell them that they need to do? Uh, number one, there's no question about it. Cook, 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 and cook more. I mean, I, I wouldn't even consider going into, you know, oh, yeah, go and cook, and you'll learn real quick on how to do competition. No, you won't. You're going to get your ass handed to you. You're not going to know what you did wrong. You're not going to know what you had to do uh, better. You know, in the day and age right now of social media, and that sort of thing, and where specific groups are there. I mean, right now, if I was a new and upcoming team, I would cook and I would post. I would I would cook, and even if you don't have clamshells to, you know, to to build your boxes, then do it on a uh, on a cutting board and put you know six racks or six bones together to see what uh, a you know a rib turning box would look in. Uh, you yeah. know, put a bunch of thighs or legs, whatever you're turning in. Uh, of chicken on the on the cutting board and see what that's going to look like. When I was younger, I mean, I was already probably a year, maybe yeah, a year or two in the cooking. Chicken was just, it's sort of like how pork is now, where it can be one week you're a winner, next week you're a loser. And that's sort of how chicken was. I mean, some guys back in the days, you know, like Johnny used to always hit it. Oh, sorry, the dogs are going to That's okay. That's the 40-pound dog going after the 140-pound dog. He don't take take no gruff. But there were guys, you know, that would always nail chicken back in the day. And it was just one of those that that sort of fluctuated. And I always wanted to have something that, as I always called it, I wanted 10th place chicken. I wasn't trying to get the best chicken out there. I mean, yeah, if you win it, great. But I always wanted to hear your name called just so you knew where it was. Because man, back I I lost a lot of grand championships early on in my career because of chicken. Uh, so I literally cooked chicken, you know, once a day for a whole month, and my girl still won't eat chicken. So it, it you know, literally, <laughs> I, I would trim and I would cook like three pieces of chicken, and I would you know sample it, 
And I would do it all again the, the, the next night, try it again. So it came where it wasn't dinner as much as, you know, I was sampling a piece of chicken at 10 o'clock at night, but I, I forced myself to cook chicken, you know, every day for a month kind of thing. Um, you know, ribs, I would get whole slabs of, of, of ribs and cut them off. And I would cook the, the St. Louis ribs, cut them in half or in the third, so you can try different rubs and sauces. And then I'd also get the rib tips. And I would also, I did a lot of rib tips where I was sampling just to try and get flavors of rubs and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I was like insane at the beginning, you know, I did. But like I said, for teams now, it's cook, 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 and more cook. You got to be able to do this stuff. If you want to be a competitive team, you know, as you know, you got to be able to basically do this stuff blindfolded. Uh, where it's just a routine and your body and your brain is wanting to do it before you're actually realizing that you are doing it kind of thing. And um, yeah, cook, cook and more cook, you know, learn flavors. Uh, There's no magic pixie dust dust out there. All these young teams think that there's some magical that, you know, teams that have success are doing. There's not, it's just, you got to cook good barbecue. Um, you know, don't worry so much about the uh, sauces and rubs. I mean, yeah, you can, you know, get Blues Hog and Smoking Guns, and I guarantee you could win every week. You know, hand that to Darren, and he would win every single week with it. I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't use it, but I'm not saying that he does use that stuff. But anyhow, you give Darren anything, and he's going to win. So that's why I never thought that the rubs and the sauces mattered as much as cooking good barbecue does, you know, cooking a perfect piece of meat. Right. So I used, you know, and I used, I used to throw in new flavors and everything while, you know, right in the middle of, of a season kind of thing, just because I wasn't going to kill myself with tenderness or, you know, the finish. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to be adding a flavor that was so holy, you know, this is going to just blow them out of the water too spicy or sour, you know, savory or whatever I was trying to do with it. Um, so I wouldn't do anything too drastic, but yeah, you know, teams just need to learn how to cook barbecue, learn how to use your knives, learn how to, you know, tend fire. You know, if you're a pellet cooker, be the best pellet cooker you can be out there. You know, I use supplemental woods on mine. I, I really thought that it mattered what, what, um, pellets you used. Uh, you know, moisture content in the, or the moisture in the air, the contest that you were cooking at would also matter. Uh, you know, same deal with uh, when you have stick burners, you know, like what your moisture content is in your wood, you know, all that stuff, where your fire is, if you're using a, a basket or not, that's what teams need to learn, become yeah. a good competitive. No, that's you know. all a lot of great advice. That's, I never and my biggest that. thing, and I tell this to my, my barbecue bus boys all the time, the KISS method, the keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> if if you're going to, you know, I mean, my way of cooking was always to try and keep it simple just because I was basically a one-man team. And then I had to, you know, have eyes in the back of my head for my, for my girls or what they were doing at contests and that sort of thing. So I always tried to make my methods and that sort of thing a little bit on the easier side than, you know, if I had two different methods and it sort of both came out the same at the end, I would definitely take the simpler method. That's what I tell, you know, like barbecue boys, bus boys, I remind them all the time, keep it simple, you know, don't make it more complex than it needs to be. And, uh, you know, and then hopefully you enjoy some success with it. So. Yeah, that's, you know, it's something 
that I tell people a lot of times, you know, I, they're like, well, I added this and I added that and I added this. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You're yeah. not going to make that piece of meat better by adding things. Well, it, you're right because you'll see guys that are trying like six different flavors and they have their six wraps racks of you know of ribs out there and they've got toothpicks all in them so that they but they don't have anything like that sets the standard of what they're looking for you know they'll try six different sauces with six different rubs but they don't know any see like i would do three different or three rubs with three different sauces or I would do one rub with three, you know, or, or one sauce with three different rubs, because then at least you're seeing and comparing and it's like, okay, well, that rub is useless or that sauce is useless. But if you're doing six different ones, you can't compare them to anything else. Right. You have to so, know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, it's, I added this and I added that and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I mean, like last year, I'll give, give you an example. We, uh, we were just fighting ribs, you know, fighting ribs, fighting ribs, fighting ribs, fighting ribs. And I was like, you know what? Give me the bottle of Guns Hot. Give me the bottle of Cimarron Docks. And Kim's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, cooking a Johnny Trigger rib right now. <laughs> I'm not even going to mess around with it. I'm not going to do anything to this rib other than that. And we ended up getting second place ribs that day. They, uh, they, that, that combination won me a ton of money and trophies over the years. So. I'd I'd still go out there and cook smoking guns and and simmer on docks and blues hog and I guarantee I, I would crack the bottle of sauce open on the blues hog with my ribs. Literally. Oh, yeah. I, I did nothing to it. I would crack the jar open. I would I'd heat it up on my I called it the hot tub on my jambo. And I'd heat it up on the hot tub and uh pour them out and it'd be just plain old blues hog and I, I was very successful with ribs, so <laughs> It's funny how it all always comes back to that one common denominator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look about think about. It. I mean, the head country is another one that's been out there. You know, I mean, it's it, it, people think they're inventing the wheel kind of thing, and like I said, searching for that magic pixie dust, and it's not out there. You just cook good barbecue, and the flavor just don't insult them. Right, right. What do you think's missing from competition barbecue these days? I think there's a few things. I mean, right now, I think probably the biggest thing that KCBS needs to figure out are the costs. And then the other thing is the people in involvement kind of thing, the crowds. Because I was involved, as you know, the Westmont contest. It, it's easy to sell a barbecue contest until you got to try and sell the people that are going to run it, how they're going to try and get money back on it. Right. You know, and if, if it's just fans showing up and the fans have, you know, staring at us as, as we're sitting underneath our, our easy up, it, it doesn't do it. I mean, uh, and I understand that it's health and, you know, departments and all that that limit what you can do, but something needs to be figured out there. You know, and I'm, there's been a lot of smart people at KCBS trying to figure that out. For I think for it to really sustain and be able to hold up, you know, as a top notch competitive, sport i mean i hate that term sport and barbecue but um <laughs> yeah I mean, come on it's like i was an athlete you know 20 30 years ago now i'm just a fat ass running to the buffet table is all i am so <laughs> and that's funny that you mentioned that because i 
I have tried so hard on here not to call it a sport. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's just one of those things that it's just like no, no, and I'm not. We're not, we're not athletes. And it's, right, I'm not being, and I'm because it, it's always right there at the tip of my tongue, and I'm like, you know what? Calm down. <laughs> I, well, I hate, I hate that. I mean, so yeah, that's one of my pet peeves. But yeah, so I don't, I don't know. It's uh, so they got to figure out that the cost, and probably then this is for for KCBS. I think the cost, and then how to get people involved more. You know, like you always want to say the mentoring programs and stuff like that. You know, that's only going to work is if teams really get involved and that's the teams that are the experienced teams get more involved with it. You know, you can put like I'll, you know, like the Chicagoland barbecue. And I'll always say to those guys there, you got questions, you know, message me. If I'm available, I'll let you know. Uh, you know, I'm talking with this guy from Minnesota, never met him, someone said, hey, you know, Scotty might be able to help you out. And we've exchanged five different messages back and forth of me trying to, you know, help a new barbecue team out with cooking. So yeah. I, I think most of the, you know, younger teams are scared shitless to talk to the, you know, experienced teams. I mean, I used to, yeah, it's like, okay, so I got lucky. I won the Jack, you know, and I had a little bit of success with contests and shit like that. Why wouldn't you be, I put my pants on just like you. I mean, there's, there's no different. Why wouldn't teams want to come and talk to you? I, I, you know, I guess if I was a young team, I'd want to talk. I mean, I always wanted to, you know, hang with royalty kind of things. So I mean, yeah, that's why I became friends with Darren. I mean, geez. You just, uh, I tell people all the time, they're like, well, how do I, how do I do it? And I'm like, go introduce yourself, bring something nice, and then just listen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't, you know, mention them, I'm a fool because, you know, Ray Lampy was one of the, you know, got me, Dr. Barbecue that got me going. He went to the high school that was basically next town to where our high school was. Um, we didn't play each other in conferences, but so he grew up a couple miles away from me when I moved out farther into the suburbs. It turns out he lived out here as well, met him on the barbecue forum, and then, you know, became really good friends with Ray. And, you know, so he sort of guided me through this whole showed me the way kind of thing you know he's one of those leading guys that uh in barbecue so and it's like so getting to hang with him and you know before i even started cooking i would you know go to shannon illinois and you know got to judge a contest and hang around and party with ray and drinking his bahama mamas and <laughs> realizing that you, there really was a huge hangover on a saturday at, uh, at barbecue contest but yeah so it's like you know, go and talk to people. Most of the, most of us don't bite. You know, yeah. it's uh, it, if if it's a bad time, I'm sorry. Now's not a good time. You know, and that's what be prepared to hear that from teams. Or when you walk up, say, hey, now is now a good time to you know say hey and whatever. And teams, if if you're not available, you're gonna say, I'm not available. Yeah. I mean, you know how like on a Friday night at a contest or a Thursday night, even better at a contest and walking up when everyone's all around, you know, a fire and having fun and passing a bottle of bourbon around and you're a new team and there's always teams walking up. Shit, some of my best friends are guys that just came walking into my camp like that, sort of looking at them all cross-eyed going, what are you doing here? Next thing you know, three years later, you're best friends with the guys. Exactly. So, yeah. That's why barbecue is great. It is. It absolutely. That, that is what makes it so much fun. <laughs> Well, Scotty, thank you for taking some time now, but now we got to get into the rapid fire questions, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one of your favorite 
pre, during, or post competition meals? Uh, after is always uh, Thai food because hopefully that meant that we won in GC. But I, I like you know Chinese kind of thing after a meal. Absolutely. Or after a contest, I mean. That's one of our favorites too. That or sushi. We love. Sushi. Yeah, I I actually started eating sushi for lunch on Fridays at at contests for a while, and it was another one of those things where I had some some success for like I did it for a couple of years and then just quit doing it. So, <laughs> do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Present? Yeah. Uh, you know, I I've got so much stuff loaned out for the guys right now. I'm not even sure what I have anymore. I, I forget. I honestly, I, I look for something. I'm like, I don't even know who has that. So I know I've got a couple Cambros out there and my my meat slicers and my, you know, my uh, grinders. You name it, I got them out there. So do you think people have any misconceptions about you or what, what would you say they were? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, definitely that everyone thinks I'm an ass, but uh, <laughs> just because no, I mean, I, I like to. I'll speak and say what I, you know, say, but honestly, if you listen to what I'm saying, if it's not me trying to be an ass or hurt someone, or I'm trying to speak the truth and deep down, I may have a hard way of going about it, but in the big picture of things, I'm trying to say and do what is right, you know, so I got a big heart. Absolutely. People don't, really, people don't realize that about me is I got a huge heart No, and, I I'm, think... and I'm about as loyal of a guy as you're going to get, so. If, if you're going into a fight, I'm the guy standing behind you. So, or actually, I'm probably the idiot leading the charge. So, that's, that's the Scots. That's the Scotsman in me. But yeah, I'm, I'm very loyal, and uh, you know, and I got a huge heart. So, I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that you don't have a big heart. That's, uh, I've known that from the first time I ever texted you to to our current friendship now there's there's well, they, I, that that does mean a lot because i mean like i said it, it's i want people to know that i am a good guy and i'm out there trying to you know i, I may be having fun and talk a sh talk a bunch of shit but you know deep down i i care and i have a heart and Absolutely. i have uh you know i i have feelings so that's why i know that other people do as well so <laughs> respect i guess is a big word yes yes so if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, getting a message out to millions or billions, what would it be and why? Uh, it would definitely be on a uh, on one of the highways going into the city of Chicago, and it would have been my big, huge uh, Cancer Sucks logo, and uh, probably with a picture of uh, of Corliss up there with it, and uh, Corliss and the girls. You know, I, I absolutely cherish those pictures and we unfortunately don't have enough of them but you know the, the i have a christmas picture when you know lexi wasn't even a year old and zoe was maybe four years old kind of thing with corliss and they were all dressed up in their their sweaters and it, it absolutely melts me every time i see it and you know like i said she's passed away 18 years ago so uh yeah definitely you know trying to sell the foundation and uh you know raise money for cancer research which I, I will put a plug in this. I, I don't no longer have my 501c3. But over the years, though, uh, we donated over $350,000 to for cancer research and to assist those uh, fighting, can, uh, fighting cancer. And the majority of that money came from barbecuing or from my barbecue classes uh, kind of thing. So barbecue was a huge, huge, you know, not only did I or my name and everything go in the bar, it, we also 
barbecue community contributed huge amounts for uh, for cancer research and that. So thank you to everyone on that. I can't uh, think of a better barbecue story out there, buddy. I really can't. But I have to ask the last question. Yep. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Oh, God. Uh, you know, I got, I got a lot of quirky things that, uh, no, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, like food wise, I'm not afraid to try and eat anything. I'll eat, I'll eat anything once. So, I mean, you can't even, uh, can't even do that quirky though, man. See, I had some really strange ones because like I had a, a big, huge, like a glass art collection that, you know, people are like, really? But it was my, my, wife's favorite artists and they were out of the hometown where where i grew up in riverside and so i probably had about 200 pieces of of glass art you know and these things were wow. they're not like a dollar pieces kind of thing and packing up the house for me getting ready to try and move over to scotland here and gave it away all to the girls so they got everything out of it but yeah you know me being an art collector no one ever ever figures that i also like to uh uh <laughs> I won't tell you guys that one. Everyone, will be, everyone will be over here wanting to drink it all on me. So <laughs> we all know about your bourbon habit. Oh yeah, I got the bourbon and the Scotch collection. So you know, and supposedly you can't you can't bring that stuff over to another country. Yeah, right. Good luck. It's a collection. I'm going to be bringing it over there and drinking it all in my retirement age. So. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably that. I don't, I don't do too. I mean, I do do crazy things, but nothing too crazy like that, though. Well, I can tell you that one of my bucket list trips is to come and visit you in Scotland whenever you get in. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it, it is so beautiful over there and peaceful. And, you know, everyone's like, what are you going to do on an island of 3000 people? I'm like, exactly. You know, I'm going to go out like now with my my glass of bourbon or scotch and my Yeti glass with my baller cube. And I'm going to go down by the ocean and watch the sunset. And, uh, you know, knew that I, uh, made it another day and hope for another one tomorrow. So. Well, Scotty, I can't thank you enough for being on here. It's been a truly been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me, buddy. I, I greatly appreciate it. I love, uh, you know, going out there and I'll put it out there. If anyone needs help, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll definitely as much as I can, you know, send out and help out and try and try and advance some young teams in the barbecue. One of the best guys in barbecue folks, Scotty Johnson. Thanks, Scotty. Thanks buddy. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast and share it out with all your friends. Also be sure to check out the old Virginia smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Yes. Old Virginia Smoke. Old Virginia Smoke.